0: Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. This is found on page 854 in your pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along. Before I read that to you, I'd like to invite you to join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will. For all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 28. After he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethpage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying, Go into the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord needs it. And then they brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. And he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives. The whole magnitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, "'Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven.'" Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, "'Teacher, order your disciples to stop.'" He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. My mother's birthday was last week, and her birthday wish was to take her granddaughter to a play up in South Carolina. My mom goes to plays quite often. In fact, they have a theater there, much like we have Ruby Diamond here, and they show off-Broadway shows, and they have comedians there and musicians there, and so she goes quite frequently. But this time she wanted to take uh, her granddaughter because they were doing a very special play, a a live-action play of uh, rendition of Frozen, the Disney movie. My mom, dressed in her semi-formal attire like she always does when she goes to the play, she went over to my niece's house to pick her up, only to discover that my niece was fully dressed from head to toe as Elsa, one of the characters from Frozen, complete with white gloves and and a platinum ponytail. Well, my mom loved this, and so they went on to the Peace Center, the, the theater there, and when they got there, they, she quickly discovered that my niece was not the only one dressed as Elsa, but there were many children of all ages and sizes who were dressed as many characters from the, the movie Frozen. In fact, they started to sing some of their favorite songs, like Let It Go, and, and I have to say my mom felt a little left out. I think she even sang a few verses of Let It Go herself. Those are the best stories, aren't they? The ones where we feel like we could be one of the characters, where we feel like we could be a part of the action. Those are the best stories, the ones that that draw us in and help us to find ourselves in the story. And in fact, there are many Bible passages that are just like that. We did a sermon series not too long ago called Sermon Selfies where we talked about ways that we can find ourselves in the characters in the story. And maybe there's no Bible passage that uh, exemplifies that any more than the passage we read this morning, the the story of Palm Sunday, of Jesus riding into Jerusalem. In fact, we try to act it out every single year when we get to Palm Sunday. Uh, Many churches try to do that. We even stick props in your hands so that every time we say, Hosanna, you can wave your palms just like that. We try to see ourselves in the story to, to either be one of those disciples or, or one of those Pharisees who come along in the book of Luke. Jesus, as you know the story, is riding in from the Mount of Olives. He, he tells his disciples to go and get a cult that he can ride in on from the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. Instead of, of slinking in quietly to celebrate the Passover, he, he rides in because the prophecy said this is the way the king will come into Jerusalem. And as he's riding in on that donkey, the disciples throw their cloaks on the ground and they clip off uh, branches from the trees and they wave them in the air saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save us. This is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. That was actually a fairly dangerous thing to do. Pointing to Jesus saying, Jesus is the one who saves us. Jesus is the one who is our Lord. And that's why the Pharisees come in. They say, what you're doing is dangerous. Quiet down your disciples. Keep them quiet, because when they're pointing to you and calling your, you the Lord, they're saying that Caesar is not the Lord. Pontius Pilate is not the Lord. Herod Antipas is not the Lord. They're calling you the Lord. And it's going to get us into trouble. But all the same, Jesus looks at his disciples and said, even if you could silence them, silence them. The rocks would cry out. Even if you could keep them quiet, the story would be told. And so we are left as Christians every single Palm Sunday to decide if we're going to be like those disciples waving our palms in the air or if we're going to be like those Pharisees. who try to keep the story quiet. We have that choice every single day of our lives, and I dare say, while we have shoved palms in your hand and we are suggesting that you try to be like those disciples who will spread the good news, the truth of the matter is that for all of us in our lives, I think there are times where we are like those disciples and times where we are like those Pharisees. There are parts of our faith that we love to shout from the mountaintops, and there are parts of our faith that make us a little uncomfortable that we would rather kind of keep quiet. As good Presbyterians, we find that every single year around this time. We like to jump from Palm Sunday with the Easter baskets from yesterday to Easter Sunday, to the wonderful brass and the beautiful music and the beautiful flowered cross that comes in. We like to jump from triumph to triumph and forget the part in the middle. That part in the middle is an important part though. Fleming Rutledge, the great Christian author, once said she was walking through her town, walked by one of those big Hallmark, Hallmark card shops, and right there in the window, she saw the words, We make Easter easy. They were advertising that this was a one-stop shop for all of your Easter needs. You can get your eggs here, your cards here, you can get your candy here. You can get everything you need for Easter right here. But she started to wonder if maybe we had done the same thing in the church. We like to shout from the rooftops God's grace, God's love, God's triumph. But maybe we don't like to talk about the other part. The part where Jesus proved his faithfulness to us. The part where Jesus proved God's love and devotion to us through sacrifice. And maybe the part that we don't like to talk about the most of all, that Jesus called us to follow in his footsteps and do the same. We don't like to talk about that difficult part where Jesus calls us to sacrifice, where Jesus calls us to be new people. But that's what happens when you point to Jesus and call him your Lord. It means that you should be different. That the powers and the influences of this world are not what should influence and lord over you, but that only the will of God should be your Lord. No, I think we all like to to just put the emphasis on Jesus. Jesus is the one who saves the world. Jesus is the one who does the word dirty work. Jesus is the one who encompasses everything. And our job is just to, to be grateful. And there's some truth in that. But maybe, just maybe, when we cry out Hosanna, we're forgetting that we have a part, thank you, to play in this too. There's a wonderful professor up at Emory University. His name is Dr. Gregory Ellison. He's a great uh, preacher, but also a good uh, professor as well. And he tells a story from his own life when he was a young man. He was just gotten through an Easter service, and he went home to his Aunt Dottie, a story where the preacher there told them that they had work to do to go out and save and heal the world. And he went home to his Aunt Dottie and said, Aunt Dottie, isn't it Jesus' job to save the world? I can't save the world, can I? It's Aunt Dottie smiled and said, you're right, you can't save the whole world. But you can take care of the three feet right around you. Think about the three feet right around you. Of what happens in your world in that three feet. You can influence what happens in that three feet when you interact with other people. In that three feet, you can spread the gospel with your words, with your actions, with your heart, with your mind, and with your spirit. He calls it the three feet challenge, that everywhere he goes, he thinks about what he is doing and saying and how he's influencing other people within that three feet. When I wave this palm, it's probably about three feet in front of me, don't you think? I've been thinking about that three feet in my own life lately. Parts of my life and the parts of my faith that I am so proud to shout from the mountaintops and parts of my faith that I've been quiet about. I've been thinking about my three feet and how I can be a better disciple and how at times I've probably been more like a Pharisee. Within my three feet, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ calls us to sacrifice and surrender. That's what faith to me is all about. Within this three feet, if we are not willing to sacrifice for our neighbor, then we are not following in the footsteps of Jesus. Within my three feet, I believe wholeheartedly that we are supposed to go and stand beside those people who are downtrodden and broken and hurting and in need. We are supposed to go and stand beside them so that people can hear their voice, the voice of the voiceless. Within my three feet, I believe wholeheartedly that we're supposed to go and speak to powers and principalities in this world so that they can hear what we believe about Jesus Christ, so that they can hear what we believe about how the world should be. But I have to also tell you, within this three feet, I am an evangelical. I believe that none of that matters if we don't have Jesus Christ. I believe that none of that matters if it were not for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Within this three feet, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit that fills me every time I say a prayer, every time I celebrate the sacraments, every time I stand in this pulpit. Within my three feet, there's so much that I need to share. But quite often... I hold back. Because see, when my three feet bumps up against your three feet, well, we bump heads. And that's when my choice comes of whether I'm going to be a disciple waving my palms or whether I'm going to say, wait, 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 it's time for you to be quiet. Which is what those disciples do. It happens to us all the time, everywhere. Even here in our sanctuary. I've told you this story years ago. It's a story that I heard at Columbia Seminary when I was at a chapel service there. I'm ashamed to say I've forgotten the name of the preacher who told the story, but he was sitting in his church one day, and he saw a mother and their child sitting a few rows ahead of him. That child was a little bit rambunctious. Maybe some of you know what I'm talking about. Every few minutes, the child jumped up on the pew and was ready to dance and sing because he was so happy with the hymns and the music and so Every time the child did that, the mother grabbed him by the arm and pulled him right back down. He jumped up again, and the mother whispered something in his ear, and he sat back down. Every now and then, the child would pop up and, and wave his hands, and the mother would pull him right back down. And finally, she put a hand right on the back of his shoulder so that he couldn't jump back up anymore. And that's when he heard the young boy say, well, I'm standing up on the inside. Sometimes we do that, don't we? When somebody around us is living out their faith in a way that makes us uncomfortable, our heart worries a little bit. We get a little anxious, and our first reaction is to jerk them back down. When someone is wanting to express their faith by going and speaking to people in this world who have power, who have influence, who have money, and try to get them to change the broken systems of this world, that makes us uncomfortable. And so we try to jerk them back down. Or maybe with our high intellectual, logical Presbyterian theology, we get uncomfortable when people talk about the Holy Spirit, when people talk about the power of God, the moving and acting and living in this world. And so we want to jerk them back down. Maybe sometimes we want to go to church, but we know there are people, friends in our community, family members who think it's a waste of time, and so they jerk us right back down. Maybe we want to take a leap of faith, but somebody around us says, no, it's costing too much time, it's costing too much money, we can't do that, and so it jerks us right back down. That's what the Pharisees do, they want to keep it quiet. Jerk us back in our seat and keep us silent so that we can only stand up on the inside. And just for those of you who think, oh, no, I would never let that happen to me. Just remember the end of the story this week. All of the disciples who were waving their palms on Palm Sunday. Well, they were dead silent on Good Friday. It happens to all of us. There are parts of our faith that we love to shout from the rooftops. And there are parts of our faith that we keep quiet. Because we're afraid. We're afraid when those three feet bump into each other. But Jesus seemed to know that. Because you see in our passage this morning, Jesus tells those Pharisees that even if they're quiet, the story will still be told. Even if you silence them, the story will still be told. The rocks will cry out, and the good news of the gospel will be heard around the world. Even when we fail from screaming our faith to the world, the gospel is known. That's what Jesus promises us, that the gospel will be preached in ways that we cannot even imagine. The Christian author Rob Bell tells a story like that in his own life. He was asked to, to be a preacher at a, and, and to do a, a wedding for two friends of his. These were friends of his who, who loved nature and so they wanted to do their wedding ceremony out, in, out outside where they could hear the rustling of the trees and they could see the beauty of the sun and they could see the rocks and the hills all around them. But they asked him one very special request. When you, when you do the, the ceremony, please don't talk about God. Too much. Don't talk about God and don't talk about Jesus. If you'll, you'll just in, let us enjoy the beauty of nature. Believe it or not, that happens a lot more than you would think it does in weddings and funerals. But instead of getting judgmental, Rob Bell became inquisitive. He said, tell me, what is it about this world around us that you love so much? These rivers and streams and rocks and hills. And this couple agreed, well, it, there's something about it. There's something within it that holds it all together. And in his conversations with them in premarital counseling, he said, maybe, just maybe, that thing that holds all of this together is what called you two together. And they agreed. He was right. That those beautiful trees and that beautiful sky and this beautiful world around us was preaching to them. And for the first time, they realized that God may be real. Jesus Christ tells those Pharisees and tells those disciples, even when you're quiet, the story will be told. The gospel will be known. There is nothing you can do to stop it. So be a part of it. This Holy Week, I want you to think about your three feet. The things that you're proud of, the things that you're scared of, the words of your faith that you like to share and the parts of your faith that you want to keep quiet. And remember that for our Proud parts and our quiet parts, for the parts that we love to share and the parts that we hold back, for the parts, for the times that we are disciples and the times that we try to be Pharisees. Remember, the story will be told. They tried to silence Jesus in a tomb, but it didn't silence him. The stone rolled away, the rocks cried out. Easter came, and it will come again to the glory of God. Amen.